The Solution Word with Pastor Adama Segbeji. Pastor Adama has a passion to uplift people and see the body of Christ excel. His aim, to bring hope to the hopeless and solution to the nations. In this message, you will learn. Now, I want you to understand that every vision has stages. The Bible says, despise not the little beginnings or the small beginnings. Every vision goes through stages. And so it's important for you to understand the stages of every vision. I've taught before that there are five stages of every vision. The conception stage. So if you come into the vision during the conception stage, that is the little beginnings, if you're not careful, you despise the vision. All right, are you ready? Okay, turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Acts chapter 26. The book of Acts chapter 26 verse 19. Acts chapter 26 verse 19. I read. This is Paul speaking. He said, Where, whereupon, O King Agrippa, I was not disobedient unto the heavenly vision. And we are blessed by the reading of God's word. I want to share with you on the message I have titled, Obedience to the Heavenly Vision. Obedience to the Heavenly Vision. Please understand that in every dispensation and in every time, God, in his infinite wisdom, gives visions to various people that he finds faithful. And it is important for us to understand that when the vision is given, obedience is required for the fulfillment of the vision. And every God-given vision is heavenly. Every God-given vision is heavenly. Remember, it's not earthly. This is how James puts it. James chapter 1, verse 17. The Bible says, every good gift and every perfect gift comes from above. So if it comes from above, that means it is heavenly. The Bible says that if anyone lacks wisdom, James chapter 1 verse 5, if any man or any woman lack wisdom, let him ask God who gives how? Liberally or freely. And the wisdom that comes from God, the Bible says is first and foremost pure. Isn't that right? The Bible says the wisdom that comes from God is first and foremost pure. That means if there's a wisdom that comes from above and it's pure, that means there is also another element of wisdom that is not from above and that is not pure. Are you following what I'm saying? So in every dispensation, God finds men and women and entrust his vision to them. In every dispensation, God finds men and women and entrusts his vision, his plans and purposes to them. And the scripture we read in the book of Acts 26 verse 19, Paul was standing before King Agrippa defending the gospel. And as he was standing before him, the whole purpose of his defense is for the king to know that he has been given a vision. And this vision is not earthly, but what? Heavenly. And I love what Paul said. Paul said to Agrippa 
that I am not disobedient to the what? To the heavenly vision. So that means many people are given vision, but because of disobedience, they don't follow the vision through. Are you following what I'm saying? So for any vision to be fulfilled, for any vision to be enhanced, for any vision to be a blessing to mankind or the whole world, there is that element of total and complete obedience. Not to man, but to God. Not to man, but to God. Because when you stand before men, most of the times, they want you to compromise on your vision. They want you to compromise on what you stand for. And if you don't know where your vision is coming from, then you will disobey your call and follow after other people's vision. I remember many years ago, there was a pastor who was doing very well when we had just started the church. We're just a handful, about three or four. Every time we gather, three or four, handful of people. And then one day he saw me and he said, I mean, you're a young man, you're doing well. He was on TV then. And he said, why don't you just close that small church of yours and come and join my church and make you the associate pastor? I'll take you on TV, I'll put you on TV. You know, the whole world will know of you. But I was not intimidated by the number of people he had in his church. I followed the heavenly vision. I was disobedient. I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. It's very important. Very, very important. Very, very important. So a quick question. What is our vision as a church? What is our vision? Because every church that you join, there must be a reason for your joining. Why are you here? Why are you in solution? There are thousand and one churches in the world. Isn't that right? Why have you chosen to be part of this church? It must be because of something. And I want to believe that it's because of the vision. Nothing else but because of the vision. So what is our vision? Number one is to bring salvation to our community or communities. In other words, everywhere where God plants us, our number one vision is to what? Bring salvation. When we say bringing salvation to our communities, we're not saying uh, just, uh, 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 we're talking about bringing salvation to human beings because the community is made up of what? Human beings. And that is our number one priority. That's why most of our budget goes on evangelism. Anything to get people to know about Jesus Christ. Are you following what I'm saying? Number two, number two area of our vision is to raise godly relationships and families. Godly relationships and families. Very important. You have to know why you're part of this church. A second vision is to raise godly relationships and families. So in everything we do, our focus is to make sure that godly relationships are being raised up from the church. Godly families are being raised up from the church. That's why we are so, so strong in the area of families. We believe in the family principle, the family foundation that God put in place from the beginning. Number three vision is to raise leaders to reshape nations. Number three is to raise leaders to reshape nations. That's why uh, if you observe our focus when you come into this church is to, is to take you through the scarlet thread. You know, you get born again you start serving in the church and then as time goes on, you are empowered and trained to become a leader. 
So raise leaders who reshape the nations. Now, in talking about raising leaders, Jesus said to Peter, Jesus said, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. So the making is a process. The making of leaders is a process. It doesn't just take one year, 10 years, or, or 20 years. Being made as a leader is a process. As a matter of fact, it's a lifetime journey. So when Jesus said to Peter and the rest, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men, what in turn he was saying is that when you follow me, even though you are raw fishermen, I'll pick you up like the clay and I'll mold you like the potter molds the clay and I'll take out of you the rough particles. And then when you stand before the world, they will see excellent leadership qualities within you that has been passed on to me by the Father and I'm passing it on to you. Isn't it amazing when men and women, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the, the high priests, the teachers of the law saw the, the disciples who were just fishermen, who were just common fishermen. They said, how come these people have such boldness and such knowledge? And then in effect, they said, oh, because they have been with Jesus. Hallelujah. Our number, number four area of our vision is to economically empower nations. Economically empower nations. That's our vision number four, to economically empower nations. How are we going to empower nations? By us first being empowered. You can't empower someone when you're weak. Are you following what I'm saying? That's why we have what we call the vision 521 to empower you as a nation so that you can also empower others. And then the fifth area is to become solution to the nations. Become solution to the nations. So these are our core areas of vision as a ministry and it's important from time to time we get reminded of what our vision is it's important that from time to time we get reminded what our calling is where we are and where we are going and to become a solution to the nations we have to first be a solution God said to Abraham I will bless you he said I'll give you a name. Right? And then he said, from there and out of you shall all the families of the earth be blessed. That's been a solution to the nations. So, let's go back to Acts chapter 26 verse, verse 19. The Bible says, Paul stood before Agrippa and said, O King Agrippa, I am not disobedient unto the heavenly vision. And please understand that every vision that God gives you comes with cost. It will cost you something. The vision will either cost you your time, to cost you friends, it will cost you relatives, it will cost you probably your job, and so on and so forth. It will cost you a lot of things. I remember when God gave me this vision many years ago and the time came and he said I must go into full-time ministry. We had just gotten married. And God said it's time. And then we had about eight members in the church or less. Just a few. The eight people were not committed. They come as and when they like. And God said, go into full-time ministry. Leave your job. We just got him married. I was doing well. My job was paying well. In those days, I was earning uh, about £9.70 an hour. This was how many years ago? Uh, nearly 12 years ago? 11 years ago. That's a good pay, isn't it? 
if I was still working then by now, I'm sure my pay would be not less than 20 pounds an hour, which is risky. <laughs> to say, come into full-time ministry. Not knowing whether the members are tithing or not. We didn't even have the concept of tithing then. Whether people were giving or not. We just love God. Our desire is just to know God and to make him known. So every God-given vision will cost you something. But you see, what we have to understand is that spiritual vision is a spiritual investment. And most of the time, because it's a spiritual investment, many cannot quantify it. They cannot quantify it because they don't value it. They don't value the spiritual investment that the man or the woman of God is taking time to pour into them. Are you following what I'm saying? So because of that, most of the time, the man or the woman of God is not valued, which is a sad one. So every God-given vision will cost you something. It will cost you your family. It will cost you time, spending time with your children, spending time with your wife. When it's time to sleep, God will wake you up. Go and pray. Pray for who? Pray for you. Pray for the church. And sometimes the very people you are praying for are criticizing you. The very people you're praying for and believing God for a miracle for, they're sitting somewhere criticizing you, insulting you, saying all kinds of evil things about you. They don't know that what it costs a pastor, a genuine pastor, to be obedient to the heavenly vision and not to manipulate people. There are a lot of witchcraft in a lot of churches today. But not in this church. You will never be manipulated here. Not in this holy altar. It's very important. Very, very important. We need to understand what it costs a set man or the set woman of God for being obedient to the heavenly vision. Paul, when God gave him the vision... You know, many a times God will say to him, when you go to Rome, you're going to be in prison. You're going to be beaten up. Yet Paul was not disobedient. He knew God has spoken to him. When you go to Rome, you're going to be beaten up. You're going to be in prison. Yet he still went. That is the cost of the heavenly vision. Paul said, I had 40 stripes minus one because he couldn't beat Jesus Christ. He said, fastings, many. <laughs> That's the cost of the heavenly vision. Fastings, how many times? Many, uncountable. He said, shipwrecks, many. <laughs> he was on ships going from one place to the other because the, the medium of transport in those days was ship. I remember there was this time we went to France and we're coming back for the first time we used the ferry. And when we're coming back, there was storm in the deep sea. Storm. That's the first time I'm experiencing, I mean, storm. And I remember that I used to pray that there shall be safety on the land, safety in the air, and safety on sea. I never knew I was ever going to go in the sea. Everybody was feeling sick. My wife said, I'm feeling dizzy. I feel sick. He said, I'm scared. I said, don't be scared. So far as I'm here, Jesus is here. Peace be still. The storm has to come down. Yeah. Now, this is a modern ship. Is it a ship? What was it we went on? Ferry. A modern ferry, huge, that can accommodate any storm at all. Can you imagine the kind of ship Paul was going on in those days? And the storm on the ship is still as strong as ever. 
many shipwrecks. In one of the journeys, he said to the men, they were about to jump into the sea. He said, men and brethren, the Lord stood by me the night before and said to me, there shall be no loss. I know of this thing, the ship shall be broken, but there shall be what? No loss. So Paul went through a lot. Responding to that, when you see a man with a vision, it's not easy. Before you criticize him or her, ask yourself, have you seen any little vision before? <laughs> Agabus the prophet came and, and took Paul's girdle and tied it and said, whosoever's girdle is this that I've tied around my hands, that is what is going to be done to him when he goes to Rome. But Paul knew that God has a vision for him, so he has to go to Rome. He has to be in prison. Why? Because Paul was moving from one church to the other, empowering the churches, which was great, with all the revelations that Jesus gave him. But the only way Paul could pass on this generational treasure, treasure of scriptures, treasure of wealth of knowledge to us, is to be imprisoned so that he can sit down and write the epistles to us. How many of us would have responded to the call if we knew we were going to go into prison? He said, this is not of God. God will never put me in prison. You have no idea. So he said, in fastings, many. In shipwrecks, many. In beatings, many. That's what it cost him. So it's important for us to understand the importance of the vision. The vision that God has given us in all humility through this vision. There has been unprecedented testimonies that God has done through us. Unprecedented testimonies. Souls saved. Families restored. Children being dedicated. Marriages blessed. Miracles, signs, wonders on unprecedented levels. Healings. Testimonies of promotion. Favor on every side. Their testimonies are innumerable. They are the lives we see touched. So it's important for us to value the vision that God has given us. Quickly, I want to read a scripture for you to understand the vision that Paul was given. Same Acts chapter 26 from verse 15 to 18. His vision is is encapsulated in six areas. And I'll reveal that to you quickly. Acts chapter 26 from verse 15. The Bible says that, and I said, who art thou? This was when he was responding to Jesus. Remember on the road to Damascus when he was going to persecute the brothers and sisters in the churches and he had an encounter with the Lord. Remember that, don't you? Now, Paul is standing before Agrippa and, and rehearsing the vision back to him. So he said, and I said, who art thou, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecuted. That means you can never persecute anything that Jesus is in. You can persecute it, but you can't destroy it. Verse 16, the Bible says that, he said, but rise, stand up upon thy feet, for I have appeared unto thee for this purpose, to make thee a minister and a witness, both of these things which thou hast seen, and those things in which I will appear unto thee. I love that. This is Jesus speaking directly to Paul. 
Now look at Paul as a vision. Paul was down. The first instruction is rise up. It doesn't matter how down any vision is. When Jesus speaks, that vision will rise up. Jesus said, rise. Not only that, stand upon your feet. That requires action. The rise is an instruction. But you have to respond to that instruction. Why? Because he said, I have appeared unto you for this purpose, for this reason, for this vision. To minister, to be a minister and a witness both of the things which you have seen and of the things which I will show unto you. Now, you can't be a witness of what you haven't seen. That's why we are witnesses of Jesus. That's why no matter what we go through, we're still witness for him because here, the Bible says in the book of John, First John, he says, that which we have seen, that which was from the beginning, that which we have seen, that which our hands have handled, that which we have touched, that the word of life is what we speak to you. The 17th of Acts 26, it says, delivering thee from the people and from the Gentiles unto whom I now send thee. Now, you see, every every generation or every group of people you are sent to, they want to kill you. But Jesus said, I'll deliver you from the people. The very people I'm sending you to, I'll deliver you from them and from the Gentiles whom I now send thee. The very people Jesus was sent to, they said, crucify him. So, there is nothing new when you see the very people the vision is being a blessing to. Killing the one whom they have sent to be a blessing, it's not new. Martin Luther King said, I have a dream. What was his dream? To liberate mankind for men and women to be equal. Is that bad? That's a great vision. But out of that same group of people he was sent to, One of them killed him. So don't be surprised when people are trying to kill you. (laughs) Don't be surprised. Don't say, oh, they don't value what I've done. Come on. Human beings forget easily. After you've given them food and they have eaten, their tummy is full, they forget the hunger they had last night. They forget who fed them. God used Moses as a deliverer. Moses just said, I'm going to the mountain to see the Lord come back with the Ten Commandments. By the time he comes back, the people have turned their back on God. They say, where is this Moses? He's gone 40 days. We can't see him. Only 40 days. They were in slavery for 430 years. The man has just gone only 40 days. What was he doing? Praying and seeking the face of the Lord for them. Only 40 days. And they say, ah, we now want to make a God for ourselves. They started creating idols. They started criticizing Moses. They say, we don't even know why Moses has brought us out of Egypt. We don't know. How can you ask such a question? Someone who has brought you out of slavery. They said, we don't even know why he's brought out of slavery to this wilderness where there are no graves. Look at their priorities. They are thinking about graves in freedom. They prefer slavery to freedom. Sometimes you think what you've done for people They'll appreciate you, but that's when they devalue you more. But that should not surprise you. Because God said, I am going to, Jesus said, I'm going to deliver you from the very people I'm sending you to. So if you don't know the people, ha, you will die before your time. I remember there was a day I. I was preaching in church with my own laptop, you know, by the grace of God, you know, all the tools I use for my teaching, my preaching, everything. 
I use it myself. It's from my own resources. One day I was using my laptop. This was in the early days. And then it fell and broke in the church. Everybody saw it. And one of the leaders said, well, let's buy pastor a new laptop. And somebody from the church said, what? We should take money from the church. <laughs> to buy a laptop for the pastor. What, what do I use the laptop for? For the enhancement of the people. That's human beings. But I pray for you. That God will deliver you. From your own people. From your own people. Look at verse 18 of, of, of Acts chapter 26. Now look at the vision now. This is the vision God, Jesus was giving Paul. Very important. Number one, it says to open their eyes. It's very important. If your eyes are not open to the vision, you will not value the vision. Number one is to open their eyes. Number two, to turn them from darkness to what? To light. Number three, to turn them from the power of Satan unto God. Number four, that they may receive forgiveness of Sins. That means every vision must have a place of forgiveness of sins. Anything or any vision or any church that doesn't forgive people's sins is a cult. It's a what? Cult. And we're not in a cult. The church is God's place. To rescue mankind. So if we can't forgive mankind, what are we here for? So forgiveness of sins, number five, it says an, an, an inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith. That is in me. That's number six, right? Number one is to open their eyes. Number two is to turn them from darkness to light. Number three is to turn them from the power of Satan unto God. Number four is for them to receive forgiveness of sins. Number five is for them to have inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. Oh, it's five, not six. So if you look through Paul's preaching, Paul's teachings, you will see these five thread through all of them. All of them. All of them. Very important. Please hear me. Every God-given vision requires faithful partners who will run with the vision. Because if the vision is from God, that means it will be bigger than you. Do you agree? That's why Paul had Timothy. Paul said to Timothy, very important, I'll show you this in, in the book of Timothy. This is what Paul said to Timothy. 2 Timothy chapter 2 verse 2. Paul said to Timothy, the things which you have heard of me and among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. So, look at the four tier of leadership or four transgenerational strategic plan Paul is putting in place for the propagation of his, of, of his vision. Because if God gives a man a vision and then the man dies and the vision dies, then it's no vision. The vision must have minimum four generations. Minimum. Now that's Paul's strategy. When Jesus showed up, Jesus said the vision must have minimum 12 generations. So he appointed 12 disciples who were later going to be the 12 apostles upon which the foundation of the church will be built so that even after he's gone, generations after him, the 
gospel will still be strong. That's why Acts chapter 17 verse 6, the Bible says that the men that turned the world upside down, they have come here again. How were they able to turn the world upside down? Because they had been with Jesus Jesus has taught them how to transform cultures, how to transform societies, how to transform families. So as they were taking this transformational gospel to their cultures, to their families, to their communities, lives were being changed. And the moment people saw them, they said, this who turned the world upside down has come here again. Why? Because they are going to turn this place upside down. That's why Paul said in the book of Romans chapter 1 verse 16 and 17. Verse 16 he said, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Why? It is the gospel is, it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. So the moment you have an encounter with this gospel, transformation is imminent. The moment you have an encounter with the gospel and the gospel is Jesus Christ. It says the moment you have an encounter with this gospel, it will change you. It will transform you inside out. You were a robber before, but now this gospel has changed you. You were a thief before, but now the gospel has changed you. You were a prostitute before, but now the gospel has changed you. You were a cheater before, but now the gospel has changed you. Why? Because within the gospel, there is a transformational mechanism that has been programmed within it that anyone that comes into contact with it must experience that transformation. It's like acid. If you pour acid, on someone, please don't do that. Never, no matter how you hate that person, never do that. When you pour acid on someone, it will discover, dis- disfigure the part of their body that you have poured it. And when people see, they will see the disfiguration. There is more power in the gospel. And this power disfigures the crooked hearts and straightens it. When you have an encounter with this gospel, you were a liar before, but when you have an encounter with this gospel, you can't lie anymore. You were cheating before, you were crook, you were manipulating people. But when you have a genuine encounter with the gospel, the gospel of Jesus Christ, you cannot but be changed. That's why Paul, who was a murderer, killing people, killing the churches, Paul, who was a murderer, after he had an encounter with Jesus, the same Paul said, I am ready to die for this Jesus. What changed? What changed? The power of the gospel. So Romans chapter 1 verse 16 and 17, he said, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. When you know what the gospel has done for you, you can't be ashamed of it. You cannot be ashamed. Listen, one man of God said, it is shameful to be, to be, to be, I don't know how he put it somewhere. He said, it is shameful. I can't remember the quote. I want to quote him. The way he said it. He said, it is shameful to be. Oh, I forgot it. Okay. I'll remember and I'll tell you. But what he was saying is that don't be shameful of what is gainful. If the thing is gainful, why are you ashamed of it? If the thing is blessing, why are you ashamed of it? Is this gospel not blessing you? Look at your life in Egypt. Look at your life now in the promised land. Compare the two. That's what Moses told the children of God. He said, from the beginning of the year 
take a measuring tape, measure where you are. And then at the end of the year, measure again and see how far you have come. Then you can be grateful to God. So Paul said, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew, the Jew who doesn't even want to believe in this gospel. The gospel has the power to change the Jew. It says the Jew first and also to the Greek. Then verse 17, this is where the power lies. You know, I've been reading this scripture for years. I never understood it until the end of last year. It says, for therein is the righteousness revealed. Ah, the righteousness of God is revealed in the gospel. Therein, therein means within the gospel is the righteousness of God revealed. So every time the gospel is preached, the gospel must not condemn, but reveal the righteousness of God. It says for therein, for where? For in the gospel is the righteousness of God revealed from faith faith as it is written the just shall live by faith hallelujah hallelujah are you following me so every time the gospel is revealed the righteousness of God is revealed it doesn't condemn that's why Romans 8 1 says that there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Christ Jesus is the gospel. It's the good news. The gospel is the good news. It's the glorious news that the world is waiting for. Not condemnation. That's why you will never be condemned in this church. Why? Because 2 Corinthians 5.21 it says I am the righteousness of God. So far as you are in Christ Jesus you are the righteousness of God. Paul said we know no man afterwards the flesh. So when I see you I don't see a Tanzanian face or an English face. I don't see a Zimbabwean face. I see the righteousness of God revealed. I know you not after the flesh. Hallelujah. Are you you getting this? So every God-given vision requires partners who will run with the vision. Because without Timothy... Paul's vision could not have gone four generations. Without Timothy, Paul's Paul's gospel could not have reached four generations. He said, that which you have heard from me, the same, the same, not different, the same, commits to faithful men, the same. Four generations, the same, the same gospel. So, how can this vision be great. How can this vision move forward? How can this vision expand? Like I said, partners are required. Luke chapter 5 from verse 1 to 7 because it is partners that amplify the vision. Do you understand what I'm saying? It takes partners to amplify the what? The vision. The 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 microphone that I'm using has amplified my voice. My voice has not changed, it's the same. But the microphone has amplified my voice so I can reach the multitudes. Are you getting what I'm saying? Without the microphone and the PA systems, obviously, my voice cannot be amplified. So, yes, when God gives a vision, the Bible says that God gives a word and great are the multitudes that great are the company that publishes the word. 
So the vision requires what? Partners. Luke chapter 5 from verse 1 to 7. I read the Bible says, and it came to pass as the people pressed upon Jesus to hear the word of God. Notice what they were hungry for. The word of God. Not miracles, not signs, not wonders, but what? The word of God. Signs, wonders, and miracles are the end produce of the word. So your, your priorities must be right this year. You must come for the word. And within the word, there is everything that pertains to life and godliness. Within the word. Are you following me? So the Bible says that they came, they pressed upon Jesus for to hear the word. And Jesus saw two sheep standing at the lake by the fish. But the fishermen were gone out of them and they were washing their nets. In other words, they have given up on their vision. Never give up on your vision. I said never give up on your vision. I said never give up on your vision. And I speak to every dead vision in this place to come alive. I speak to every dead vision to come alive in the name of Jesus Christ. They were washing their nets. They were they are thrown in the towel because they have given up. Verse 3, the Bible says that and he entered into one of the ships which was Simon's and he prayed him that he would thrust it out a little from the land and he sat down and taught the people out of the ship. Now when he had left speaking, he said unto Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a drought. And Simon answering unto him said, Master, we have told all night and have taken nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. And when they had done this, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes and their nets break. Verse 7 is key. Look at verse 7. The Bible says that and they beckoned unto their partners which were in the other sheep that they should come and help them and they came and filled both the sheep so that they began to sink. I could teach on this for three months. Now I want you to understand that every vision has stages. The Bible says, despise not the little beginnings or the small beginnings. Every vision goes through stages. And so it's important for you to understand the stages of every vision. I've taught before that there are five stages of every vision. The conception stage. So if you come into the vision during the conception stage, that is the little beginnings, if you're not careful, you despise the vision. Are you following me? So now, Peter was at the early stages of his vision. The vision was not working. They are told all night, all months, all years, and they are caught nothing. Nothing was working. Follow me carefully. And then Jesus showed up. And Jesus said, let me borrow your sheep so I can preach. Remember, you have, we have to seek first the kingdom of God and its righteousness and all these things shall be added unto us. Matthew 6, 30, 33. Seek first the kingdom of God and its righteousness and all these things shall be what? Added unto us. So Jesus said, let me borrow your sheep. After he borrowed his sheep, he preached. The Bible says that to the multitude and then Jesus said to Peter, now you've given me your sheep now I want to give you fish because I saw you had given up on your vision but I don't want you to. So Jesus said to Peter, launch out into the deep. And Peter said, we have told all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word. At your word. This is our nevertheless at your word year. Your years of toiling are over. 
<laughs> Your years of toiling are over. It's a new season. I said it's a new season. In this season you catch multitudes of fishes. I love what Peter did. Peter obeyed and launched out his net. But he was a bit cautious. This year walk in faith. Don't be cautious. Jesus said launch out your nets. Plural. Peter said I'll launch out my net. And when he did that, the Bible says he enclosed a great multitude of fishes. There might be no fish, but remember, God called those things that be not as though they were. Thus, understanding the language of faith, you speak it forth. You summon the fish in. Summon the promotion in. Summon the breakthrough in. Summon the contract in. Start calling it forth. I, 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 I summoned five million into this church. I've summoned them in and they are coming like fishes. <laughs> they are coming. I'm telling you. They are coming this year. They are coming in droves, in multitude. They are coming from everywhere. Because we call for those things which be not as though they were. Peter said, nevertheless, at your word, I'll launch out my net. And he did. And look at the end result of his obedience to the word. Remember, obedience is key. Obedience is key. The Bible says that when he had done this, he enclosed a great multitude of fishes. And they beckoned upon their partners. They beckoned upon their partners, verse 7, to come and help them. Why? Partnership is necessary for your advancement. Listen, every vision you partner with, you receive the same equal blessing that's upon the vision. Very important. You can't be in a vision and be selfish. And say, why should I partner? No, you have to. Paul said, we have ministered unto you spiritual things. It is your responsibility to now minister unto us carnal things. What is he talking about? I minister to you spiritual things. Your responsibility is to minister material or carnal things. He's not saying in effect that you don't have a part to play. You have a part to play. Check, check the New Testament apostles. They said our duty is two things. To pray and to study the word. It's not to go and lay tables. Your responsibility is to go lay tables. The pastor's responsibility is to pray and study the word. So when I come and stand in front of you, I can feed you and feed you well. Not malnourished. And this year, God is going to feed us with the word. Every service you will be in this year, you will not go away the same. Every service you will be in this year, you will go away with the tangibility of the word of God. In the name of Jesus. And you saw the end result. Their partners receive the same equal amount of fishes they also had. So every vision requires partners. Final scripture and then we close. Oh, last but one scripture. Exodus chapter 17 verse 18 to 13. The Bible says that then came Amalek and fought with Israel in Rephidim and Moses said unto Joshua, Choose out men and go out to fight Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on top of the hill with the rod of God in my hand. So Joshua did as Moses said to him and fought with Amalek. And Moses, Aaron, and Hare went up to the top of the hill. And it came to pass when Moses held up his hand that Israel prevailed. And when he let down his hand, Amalek prevailed. 
But Moses' hand were very heavy and they took a stone and put it under him. And he sat there upon it. Aaron and Hare stayed up his hands, the one on the other side and the one on the other side. And his hands were steady unto the going down of the sun. And Joshua discomfited Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. Amen. Now, if you look at this picture, you see a clear example of partnership. Aaron and Er have to partner with Moses. Moses have to go on top of the mountain with the rod of the Lord. And then Joshua is in the valley fighting the enemies. Now, Joshua, you shouldn't say, why is Moses up there? Why is he not in the valley? No. No, Moses' responsibility is to be up there. And remember, the Bible says that every time Moses' hand were up, Joshua was winning. Every time Moses' hands comes down, Joshua is being defeated. So the purpose of Moses being there is so that you win the battle. So your responsibility is to make Moses comfortable. That's your place. To make Moses what? Comfortable. Because if he's comfortable, you will be comfortable. If he's blessed, you will be blessed. If he's walking in dominion, you walk in dominion. If his marriage is blessed, your marriage will be blessed. I, it's simple. It's simple. You can't be part of the vision and say, oh, Moses, why is only Moses is up there? Moses, look, we are fighting in the valley. Moses, we are fighting and you are just up there with the rod, with the word of God, just studying the word and just praying. That's all you are doing. But you don't know that every time he's up there and praying and studying the word, he's winning victories on your behalf. Hallelujah. Listen, without obedience, we cannot see the full fulfillment of the vision. Therefore, obedience is the only gateway towards the fulfillment of the prophecy. Obedience is the only way. That's why Paul said, I have to be obedient to the heavenly vision. Mary told that the servants at the wedding, he said to the servant, John 2, 5, whatsoever he tells you to do, do it. It's obedience. Don't disobey the word this year. If you want to see, if you want to really enjoy this year, if you want to really see the fullness of the fulfillment of what God has for you in this vision, Obey God. Whatever he tells you to do, do it. And this year is going to be an awesome year for us. There's going to be strategic things put in place to make you holy, holy. When I say holy, spirit, soul, and body complete in Christ Jesus. So obedience is key. And if we walk in obedience, we will see the full manifestations of God's hand upon our lives. In Jesus' name. Did you receive it this anniversary? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, let's give Jesus some praise. Hallelujah. Amen. We are not going to be disobedient. To the heavenly vision. Remember Jesus only had 12 disciples. This year don't look at others. In your service to God. Maybe the one you are looking at is a Judas. Don't look at anybody. Look up to Christ Jesus. He is the author. And the finisher of our faith. Why is this person not in service? Why is. Are you going to heaven with that person? Heaven is alone, no? You are going to go alone. When it's time for heaven, I'm not going to wait on my wife. I love my wife so much. But I'm not going to wait on my wife. Say, are you coming? It's going to happen in a twinkling of an eye. So your serving to God this year is key. Sunday, I'll throw more light and give you 
the specific areas of our vision for the year. Amen. So that you can see what is going to be happening. Especially our weekdays, just briefly, our weekday services are going to change a little bit. Uh, some of the days we will not be having a normal weekday service like we are having. For instance, next week, next week, we are going to have what we call a vision seminar. And so we're going to set up tables and chairs and we're going to break the vision down, how you can have a vision, what step you have to take. We're going to be writing and asking questions. It's going to be interactive, especially our weekday services. Some of the months are going to change a little bit. Some of the months we're going to be looking at uh, properties. We're going to bring in experts to speak to us on properties, how to get properties and so on. So there's a lot lined up for us this year because this year's our year of what? Dominion. And we have to have dominion in every area of our lives. In every area. Every area. Holistic. Holistic. In Jesus' name. Thank you so much for taking time to listen to The Solution Word by Pastor Adama Segbeji. For prayer or further details, please call us on 01293-885000. Or why not visit us this Sunday at 10 a.m. at Solution International Christian Center, Barnfield Road, Northgate, Crawley, RH10 8HQ. Your experience at Solution Center is sure to be a time of great blessing. Solution International Christian Center, bringing hope to the hopeless and solution to the nations.